When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that's listened to by young couples, nuns, and cheerleaders, it's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Fridays are available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Come to me. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he podcasted for five minutes and is still seeing movie reviews in his dreams. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ahoy! Each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome back our guest this week. You'd be amazed at the things she can do with the decorative serving platter. It's Courtney Lanning! Thanks for having me, and do not put my decorative <laughs> serving skills to the test. <laughs> I will not. I will not. I appreciate it having uh, both of my arms. So, uh, so we will we'll keep those in place. Uh, great to see I you just guys. Re- I just realized I had my mic muted for half of my cheer for Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> sure you did, Andrew. Sure you did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's like the Smash Brothers players blaming the controller. That's yeah. Right. That's right. Uh, Courtney, great to have you back. Uh, yes. How are things? Thanks for How's, having me. You, you recently uh, were in, invited into uh, a group that I'm a part of, I believe. Um, I think that happened since the last time we, we talked. Yeah. So I really appreciate the invite to your cults. I think the cloaks and colors <laughs> are... Stu- oh, I'm sorry. That was... That was a totally different. Forget I said that. If you no, can edit no. that out, that that, would, that, that midsummer trip is planned for later in June. So <laughs> there's no, no, yeah, that's later. Yeah, Svenska. <laughs> I'll translate for everybody. I appreciate that. I'll need it desperately. Yeah. No, I uh, I believe that you and I have had fun collaborating and. Me making you say all sorts of crazy things in your weekly TV sins videos. Yeah, yeah. So you're helping out with those. And then also, uh, aren't you in Critics' Choice now, too? I have somehow, by the grace and mercy of their overlords, been allowed into your <laughs> Critics' Choice as well. My I'm Critics' Choice. I'm slowly spreading. Now I'm curious as to which one Courtney was referring to as a cult. <laughs> no, that was a se- Cinema that was a Sins or the Critics' thing. That was a third separate <laughs> totally thing. Separate thing. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah, totally separate thing. The the initiation tattoos are pretty cool. I'll say that. It's intense. <laughs> it's intense, but yeah, definitely, definitely cool. You know, Aaron's jokes, but uh, show me your show her your hand. My hand. Oh, I did get my first tattoo. I got a, a ring tattoo. Uh, so very nice. Yeah. yeah, I have some rings on my pinky too, but I need to get those touched up. My, See, my if guy. only Sauron had thought of that, then he wouldn't have had the whole mess See? of losing it. See. Uh, if Sauron was really smart, he would have destroyed Mount Doom so you couldn't throw it in the fire. <laughs> That's if true, Sauron too. was really smart, uh, then uh, we, we wouldn't have had the movies we had. Uh, I want to mention before we get into the reviews, uh, something is coming back. 
That's right. The summer sum game is making its return. Dang, I thought you meant the McRib. Well, I imagine that'll be back at some point as well. Um, I was looking forward to the Taco Bell fries myself. (laughs) (laughs) The nacho fries? Big nacho fries fan? Uh, No, the summer sum game is back. The pandemic took it away from us, but we are taking it back uh, for the first time since 2019. Um, so excited to get this back and running. If you ha- are new to us uh, since then, or have forgotten since then what the Summer Sum <laughs> game is, this is the competition we have done in the past where everybody picks their top 10 movies for the summer uh, that they think will make the most money. So you rank from number one to number 10, and then you also get three wild cards. The order of how you think the movies will land. Now, this is for dollars made domestically from May, uh, from the first weekend in May till the first weekend in September. Uh, so that's how it runs. Uh, we will make our picks on an episode coming soon, but you can make your picks now. Uh, just go to the website, uh, siftpop.com and click on summer some game uh, there'll be a little grid there for you to fill out and you just mark which movie you want in each position if a movie if you don't see a movie there that you think will be in the top 10 uh, you can uh, click uh, other for that spot and then down below there's a place for you to write in whatever movie you think might Uh, breaking the top 10 that we did not mention. So going to be fun. Uh, Once we get to September, we'll do an episode and announce the winners. If you win, uh, you will get to say anything you, you, well, you'll get to have me say anything you want me to say on this podcast within reason. Uh, I was going to so. say, that's a really dangerous <laughs> qualifier you've set yes. there, Aaron. Yes, yes, yeah. That's the, the within reason uh, asterisk uh, always exists on that one. Um, so excited to do that. We'll have our gurus pick as well. And we'll have a guru winner, and then we'll have an overall winner uh, as well. So go check that out at sippop.com. Uh, just click on Summer Sum Game. It is back. We are excited uh, to see who can predict what this year's Top Gun Maverick will be. Um, maybe maybe it might be a Tom Cruise movie again. Who knows? Who knows what it might be? When? How much longer do we have until Mission Impossible comes out? Yeah, I don't know. It's on there somewhere. It's six on months. Somewhere. Uh, so I wanted to let you know about that, but let's wait no further. Let's go ahead and get into these reviews. Let's start by talking a little bit about Renfield. My boss, he's different. You can't get him out of your head. No. I need your assistance. I'm coming, Master! Oh, you feel like he could destroy you with the snap of his fingers. Wouldn't even need to snap. Okay. Uh-huh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, what? Renfield. Bringing innocent victims. I want a handful of nuns, a busload of cheerleaders. And I just want a normal life again. Having grown sick and tired of his centuries as Dracula's lackey, Renfield finds a new lease on life and maybe even redemption when he falls for feisty, perennially perennially angry traffic cop Rebecca Quincy. Uh, Nicolas Cage playing Dracula. What more do you need to know uh, about Renfield uh, to know you might want to see it? Uh, Okay, we'll tell you a few other things. Nicholas Holt 
is playing Renfield in this. Aquafina is the aforementioned cop. Uh, other people you may know and love, like Ben Schwartz, uh, hopping in there as well. What did you guys think of Renfield? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew, you first. Low side of okay. Low side of okay. So bordering on didn't like it. Yep. Okay. All right. Courtney? Uh, had fun. I was promised Nicolas Cage being wild. Uh, I got that. I'm happy. So would you put yourself in liked it? Yeah, I would put it in liked it. Liked it. Uh, Aaron? On, I am on the high side of just okay, maybe even the low side of liked it. Um, so, Courtney, you seem to like it uh, the most, so talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on uh, Renfield. So, like I said, uh, I was promised by the trailers a hammy performance from Nicolas Cage playing the Prince of Darkness. The movie delivered that kept things at a tidy 90 minutes, which I always appreciate when you're doing a silly story like this. Uh, And honestly, uh, from the Mortal Kombat-inspired fight sequences to Ben Schwartz stealing the spotlight and somehow upstaging even Nicolas Cage in this movie, I I found plenty to like. Andrew, some thoughts? If I'm going to talk about anything about this movie, it has to be Nicolas Cage. He is amazing. He does what everyone wants from a Nick Cage performance. He goes all out. It works. He's funny and over the top. And sometimes he's actually kind of frightening. He's actually kind of scary in this movie. I was like, good job, Nick. Uh, um, so, yeah, I like I like this idea of putting the story of Renfield and Dracula in this modern setting and dealing with modern day problems. You know, the metaphors for toxic relationships while heavy handed in this movie is fun. And it's cool to see this relationship and how the dynamic between the two of them, you know, goes. Yeah, I think overall, the best thing I can say about this movie is I had fun. Like, uh, like there is this Chris McKay has a really dialed in sense of humor uh and i think it's one for the most part that i vibe with like the kind of jokes he finds funny the kind of ways he's willing to go over the top are interesting to me um and and funny to me and humorous to me so and there's so much of that here whether it be the over the top uh, violence and uh the the way Human limbs are used as weapons of mass destruction, uh, whatever it might be, whether it be the subtle at times, but still targeted social commentary that's kind of being underlaid to some of this stuff. I found really funny and interesting the commentary on what it means to be human and what it means to be in a codependent relationship. I found really interesting and, and funny, um, I just think I think he good, gets a good uh, patter going with his cast, uh, and I think that shines probably the most for me in the uh, the the anonymous sessions, the group sessions. Mm, yeah. um, I think the way there there are so many times during those sessions where each of those characters have moments where I'm just I'm laughing, I'm laughing at yeah. you know when somebody's like, "Will I?" ever get to finish my story you know like oh, that kind of like it's just it's done Clara. it's just done really really well uh and i i think for me that's probably the main positive that i take away from this is 
um, I laughed a lot. I had a good time. I thought it was fun, you know, yeah. and like and sometimes that's enough. Uh, so, um, so yeah, I think this is a fun movie. Um, more thoughts from you guys. Gordon? I, I will say the, the one thing that I could have done less with um, was some of the cop drama. I mean, they, they, they brought Aquafina in. Um, you either like Aquafina or you don't. Um, so you're either a good, good person or you're not, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how much, how much do you like Rye on The Last Dragon? I mean... Uh, Lots. Lots. It was fun. So here's the thing, though, is while she looked great in the action scenes, and I, I bought her with Holtz, I liked their chemistry together, it was just a little too much taking itself seriously with the whole she's got something to prove she's the only good cop left and i thought you're not taking yourself this seriously in any other aspects of the movie just dial that down a little bit i would have i would have preferred a little more supernatural hijinks instead of do the, you think, do you, the cop drama we got do you not think the nicholas holt character has that same element as well i thought they as kind of our main protagonists both were the ones that were asked to kind of carry any kind of gravitas the movie ever wanted to have like that they're like the things that they're talking about uh you know like there are some moments with him in some of the sessions and different things where i think it got real like it felt like the character felt a little more authentic in fact i was kind of impressed with how well nicholas holt pulled that off that he was able to pull off in a movie like this still getting through with some off like authentic humanness no i I, I think he had i think he was genuine um Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. The The meshing of the crime and the supernatural elements is already something you don't think to put together. And mm. I feel like that already, you know, it's already hard to mix those two. So when you add in an over-the-top, serious-tone cop drama, it, it is a little much for me. I 100% agree with Courtney. 100 This film is sloppy in its execution, in my opinion, obviously. There are plot elements that are added to this film that don't build upon the message of the film. Instead of, instead, I think they hinder an otherwise entertaining movie. The big example is that there is a huge part of this that deals with the mafia and the police, like Courtney said, mm-hmm. and the corruption. And that honestly felt like every time that plot was on screen, I was frustrated and wanted to get back to the reason I went to see this movie. Now I understand that, him and Aquafina, that's the catalyst for Renfield wanting more from life. But because, but that part of the movie became so integral to the part of, to the story as a whole that I kind of, I think the movie lost track of the reason why people wanted to go and see this film. They wanted to go and see Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Holt together being Renfield and Dracula. It's, some, the, I think people, if you want to go and see this movie just to see Nick Cage, you might be disappointed. Yeah, he's, he's not I, in like, it he's, a lot. He, well, he's certainly not the center of attention for the whole thing. Um, and then I, th- I have no qualms with that. The movie is called Renfield. It should be about him, but at the same time, like, come on. Yeah, I I think he's he's he is there to pop in and be a spark and shine. Um, and I think that's the, how the movie intends to use him. It's interesting because uh, you guys are going to make me feel like I loved this movie when I when I really you know barely liked it, if anything. Uh, <laughs> but I, I really disagree with that negative. I feel like that that cop mafia stuff mm-hmm. is the other side of the standing up for what's right coin that this movie is is dealing like the two of them. I I feel like they are 
two sides of this thing that humans do where it's like, do I go along with what I know is wrong and why do I do that? And so both of them in their own ways are dealing with, you know, opportunities to stand up. And I think Aquafina is his inspiration, right? Because yeah. he sees her do that. And so it's what kind of sparks him to go, oh, I can do that in my life as well, um, even though it's, you know, uh, with Dracula, uh, in case you didn't know. So, so Wait, yeah. Dracula's in this? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Wait. The I, I don't... Dracula, as Ben Schwartz would say. Yeah. The Dracula. Uh-huh. I, I don't disagree with with that it's the fact that you know minor spoiler she's the only good cop i mean the Mm -hmm. thing when they try to do this i just feel like they take it one step too far where you're like really the whole department and it's it's just her (laughs) (laughs) but that's kind of the tone of the movie though right like that's kind of the sense of humor i don't know i thought all i i think the one guy everybody was telling to f off i think he was like you know he didn't seem all that bad so you know um but uh but yeah uh i i understand you're completely right you know it is over the top but i think that is this movie you know from soup to nuts so yeah yeah um who wants to start off with uh, some negative things? Have we not? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You guys have kind of already gone there. Um, so, I can I, throw out another pro. Oh, go ahead, Courtney. Sorry. Well, it's just, yeah, another positive. Uh, again, just throwing, because again, everybody is, is going to go see Nicolas Cage, uh, but throwing it back to Ben Schwartz. I mean, if you like Parks and Rec, if you love John Ralphio, if you love Sonic the Hedgehog, you're getting so much of that here just with guns and drugs. So, I mean, it's, it's him dialed up another notch and I, I love John Ralphio. So I love him pretty much being that character in this rated R movie as well. Yeah. Ben Schwartz is so great. I like, I I think I've said it every time we've talked about a movie he's in, he's just one of my favorite things right now in pop (laughs) culture. I just uh, like middle ditch and Schwartz is a phenomenal series of, uh, uh, improv uh, shows on Netflix. If you haven't checked those out, he's amazing in those. Um, I saw him, uh, his Ben Schwartz and Friends improv show in LA the last time. Maybe not the last time I was there. A couple times ago when I was there, uh, saw him live do improv and that kind of stuff. He's just so much fun. And there's just something about his elevated delivery that is just that perfect amount of uh like there's there's something almost welcoming about how off-putting it is it's the weirdest thing it's the weirdest thing it's just like you are clearly a, a terrible human but i'm having so much fun hanging out with you <laughs> i have to keep reminding myself that him and jenny slate aren't actually siblings <laughs> sure sure yeah 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 absolutely uh did anybody else did anybody else watch uh, what we do in the shadows Anybody of course. else watch that, yeah. that TV show? Uh, th- there was the a one who lot told you of that it. here. Um, I, you know, like especially those, uh, you know, uh, codependence anonymous scenes reminded me of so much of the Guillermo's Guillermo stuff in yeah. what we do in the shadows. Nicholas Holt is different uh, than that character is played, but the beats in the comedy come from a lot of the same places. So there was a little bit for me, and maybe the reason this didn't like click with me completely. I've kind of been there, done that. Like I've seen several seasons of what we do in the shadows that do this exact same thing. Um, kind of have this exact same sense of humor 
just with different people. And uh, so, yeah, there's a, there's a bit of a, you know, um, been there vampired that, uh, you know, uh, in my, my thinking. So that was kind of one of the things I think that kept me from fully connecting with the movie. Sure. Yeah. Um, we, you kind of touched on this, but I want my one last thing besides no post or mid credit scenes is I like the chemistry between, you know, Renfield and Dracula, Holton Cage. I think I, cause I, I, there was, was the chemistry that I bought the most in this movie. The, um, just because, you know, it's so obvious how it's funny because if you think about it, like, Holt has three, maybe four inches on Nicolas Cage. Like, he's way bigger than him. But whenever they're on screen together, Holt shrinks in fear. And you can tell, like, Nick uh, Nick Cage can really... I keep wanting to say Nick, and then I realize, wait, that can go both ways for Holt and Cage. So, But whenever they're on screen, Holt shrinks up, and you see Cage not, like, literally bigger than him, but that presence and that, you know, that energy he brings shrinks him up. And I think that's the best, my that's pun the title, best tit for tat. My, my pun title for this section of the discussion is a uh, Holt and cage fire. Uh, yeah. that's, uh, Holt that's and cage one. fire. <laughs> that's Man, that's too title. good. That's <laughs> no, really but, good. No, I, I think you're spot on there with, with cage and Holt's chemistry. Uh, one thing that I definitely noted is, you know, you talked earlier about how, Cage was surprisingly scary in this movie. But to me, what was surprising was Cage was a great abuser in this movie. So when he's talking about how, oh, you left your wife and kid, and, and I'm actually the oh, victim yeah. here, and, and like all the textbook narcissism stuff, I bought that. And I thought Cage's, like, Holt and Cage have to go get at least two beers after every scene for him to go, you know, I don't really mean that, right? I'm not actually <laughs> trying to hurt you while Holt is crying into his drinks, you know, because uh-huh. yeah. he's, yeah. he's that good at being the abusive jerk. And I yeah. think that's why I don't think the mafia police thing is necessary, because I think we get what the movie's trying to say with Renfield and Dracula. That dynamic, it's it's clear that it's talking about abusive relationship. We don't need a second, you know, abusive, you know, toxic relationship. Well, where to- does, so what is what does Renfield tap into then for his transition? You know, what does he what does he tap into for? If I was directing or writing this, if movie you were then, writing it, yeah, how would you write it differently? He has an epiphany at the AA meeting. He just for figures the abuse it out. Abusive anonymous. Yeah, yeah, they I like they this better. Really. Yeah, that seems unearned. Like there's there's something really. How's that unearned? That ooh, I was about to make this a really big you know social commentary, but I'm not going to now because <laughs> that would just open up a giant can of worms of uh, victims do have the strength to find help for themselves. I'm just going to say that. Of of course they of course they do, but that's, but you're saying that it wouldn't be unearned if he I'm found the strength. I'm talking about storytelling like, technique. I'm not talking about the real world. Why would I ever talk about this movie and compare it to the real world? <laughs> because that's what we draw our our uh, our references from is the real world. Mm-hmm. I would believe that he could go to a meeting like that, and somebody were to say something like you are uh, not um you know yes. you're not you're I could, not I could absolutely and then believe he'd be like, it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm not. I could and then absolutely believe it. it as well. I'm telling you it's better storytelling for him to find it in another character. That's what I'm telling you. I believe it's better storytelling to do it the other way. 
Mm. Of course, I could believe it the one way. I'm just think I say I think the movie's better with the uh, the cop character. Is it just coming down to personal taste then? <laughs> could be, could be. I haven't which seen the fine, other movie, so fine. I can't compare the two. Uh, yeah. an, another movie I have seen, and this will be my one last thing. Uh, is this basically a sequel to Warm Bodies? I never saw it. <laughs> but he was a zombie in that one, wasn't he? He was. He was. But it feels so very similar in so many ways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, it's Courtney I mean, is <laughs> Courtney is doing the uh, the, uh, the what thinker. was it the, the thinker yeah <laughs> yeah no but 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 is it <laughs> but but is it was was Ren, was that actually Renfield in Warm Bodies I've heard people say that uh, Warm Bodies is a surprisingly good movie and I should probably check it out it's better than it's better than you would think um, yeah so yeah I enjoy it so nice. you know it. I guess in in this particular case, uh, my mind when I was when I was trying to tell people about this movie, and I go, "Oh yeah, it stars Holt, you know, Beast from the X Men movies, uh, the new yeah. X Men movies." Uh, so that's where my mind went, and I thought, "Well, I guess I guess if in the comics Jubilee can be a vampire, then why the heck not for Beast? He right, he curses yeah, right. his blue thing only to become a vampire. Sure, why not? So might I as well make it an X Men sequel as well." Mine as well. Courtney, you have it's anything better else? Than, it's better than any of the X-Men sequels we got, like post-2015 <laughs> or whenever you know, Days of Future Past came out. Anything past that, don't, Logan. Don't you slander Logan like that. No, right? I just Logan. say anything past, anything past okay. Days and Logan, I, I could deal without. Logan's fine, guys. Logan's not all that great. Uh, Logan uh, is I know where the you best live. comic book movie of all time. <laughs> and I also know the town I praise. that you live in. It's true. That's true. You 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 both could uh, come break my sternum for uh, you eat a bug and then break my sternum for. No, we're gonna throw you in that blackbird prison over there, a couple you know blocks from me. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, Courtney, do you have one last thing about this before we move on? Um, I I really just I can't help but sing more Ben Schwartz Price. That's that's always gonna be my one last for this movie. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, all right, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about Tetris. It's a combination of Tetra, Greek for four, and tennis. Tennis. The Russian inventor, he likes tennis. Hazel. Yeah. This game isn't just addictive. It stays with you. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Hank, only ten other people in the world have seen what you're about to see. It's called the Game Boy. Package them with Tetris. Can you guess the rights? In 1988, American video game salesman Hank Rogers discovered the video game Tetris. When he sets out to bring the game to the world, he enters a dangerous web of lies and corruption behind the Iron Curtain. That's right. His name is Hank, not Hank. Hank. Those silly it's, judge people and their spellings and names. <laughs> They're trying to say Henkel, and then they end up saying Hank. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, this is on Apple TV Plus, and yeah, it's yeah. been out a, I think a couple <clears throat> weeks now, but we just haven't uh, yeah. been able to get around to it until uh, now. So I wanted to kind of throw it in and uh, hear what you guys have uh, to say about it. Um, Courtney, why don't you go first? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I loved this movie. Oh, uh, fun. The, I honestly think, and I know we're just in April. I know it's just the middle of April, so take this with salt. I think this is the best movie of 2023 thus far. 
Wow. Cue the music. For whatever my weight carries, you know. Wow. That's high praise. That is. That is. I'm going to go with right about the same as Renfield with high side of just okay maybe low side of liked it uh okay. Andrew, what about you i think it's the second best movie of the year <laughs> so i don't get as much fanfare <laughs> as Courtney does but uh, yeah that's all i get um yeah i i loved it i really did absolutely loved it nice i'm glad you guys both loved this mediocre movie yeah uh, Courtney, why don't you talk uh, uh, first about uh, how much you loved uh, Tetris and what you loved about it? I just, I kept, as, as, as I'm watching this movie, uh, I just remember I kept looking over at my wife and going, this is Tetris. This is a story about Tetris, right? Yes. And she would go, yes, it is. And then we, something else would happen and she'd go, this is Tetris. Tetris. <laughs> this is Tetris. This is a story about a video game. Um, and it's not Mario where they're adapting the video game into a story. This is about actual Tetris. It's about licensing a video game in the 80s. I, I loved the editing. I loved the sound engineering on this. A lot of the transitional shots where they had actual uh, 8-bit video game transitional screens. Those were all creative and wonderfully done. But I think at the heart of what I enjoyed most about this movie is Taron Egerton's performance. I think that yeah. this is an actor who does not get enough praise, uh, whether you love him from Kingsman or Rocketman or Sing. Speaking of Blackbird. Uh, I, or Blackbird. <laughs> or Eddie <laughs> the Eagle, his best role. Right. That, that is why he's, he deserves more than he gets. And Tedris is absolutely a machine that he carries forward. And again, just... This is basically a Cold War spy movie thriller about Tetris. It, it's, yeah. it's everything fits together for me perfectly. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, some thoughts? Courtney's right. This is such a fascinating story. It's so it it sounds unbelievable. Like mm-hmm. if some, like if you didn't know this was a real thing, you wouldn't believe this happened because it didn't happen. But continue. Okay, fine. To this extent, <laughs> but there, but for entertain, they embellish. This is nothing new. People in Hollywood embellishes fact. This is different than most. Uh, is it? Li- oh yeah, the stuff, the the length they go in this thing to make it like they literally have a okay, car I'm- chase with the Nintendo people in the car. Yeah. This movie is ridiculous. I don't, I don't like the ending of this movie because. I think that this movie makes it out like Tetris is the reason for the fall of the Soviet Union. <laughs> and I You're get that I, I get that it's that hyper, you know, you know, embellished, but I'm talking about the actual capitalistic corporate espionage trying to be first. You know, that that's the kind of stuff like in this uh in this instance, I feel that this movie is kind of like uh, what's the uh, what's the Facebook movie? Um, social, social network. Social network. I think it's just like social network. You know, with people realizing the value of something and then doing everything they can to get in on it before you know the profits start coming in. You know, so that political. But what's 
what I love about that is it's a bunch of people speaking a different language. And I don't mean just English and Russian. I'm talking about a cultural etiquette, political oversight at an insane level, real consequences and threats to people's lives, all over a video game. You know, yeah. in this movie, in this movie, Aaron, in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> in a movie yes. that is in this fictional based film. on a true story. <laughs> yeah. Says it right there at the very beginning of the yeah. story, Aaron. You can't discount that. No, it is absolutely based on a true story. Um, it's just the, it, what's interesting to me, and uh, I tell you what, I'll get there soon. Let me say this: you mentioned the thing <laughs> that I do love about this movie, which is Taron Egerton, um, but I also really, really love um, not just him, but also uh, Nikita Efremov, Alexi, uh, who plays Alexi. <clears throat> I think t- those two are really good in this and really good together in yes. this. And that's my favorite if, part of the movie. If the the I think they are the primary, maybe only reason other than a little bit of nostalgia that I come away from this even like flirting with liked it. Like wow. ev- everything else in this movie is so mediocre to me. Uh, oh but I love God. I love Good night, those everybody. Two together. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I love those two together, and I agree completely with you, Courtney, that Taron does not get enough uh, attention for how incredible a performer he is, how incredible an actor he is, um, and I think he's doing really – he's trying to carry this um, otherwise terrible movie on his back. Uh, so oh God. I'm, just, I'm just trying to get reactions out of you guys. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Uh, I do think it is pretty mediocre, though, the rest of the way around. Mm. You know, you mentioned, like, the the 8-bit transitions. I found those I don't annoying like those. and annoying. They didn't yeah. work for me or make sense to me. Um, the music in this doesn't make sense. to Like, it's just, like, pulling r- random songs because you want to play an 80s song and, you know, make people think about it. Um, I just, I didn't like that. Uh, I liked... I liked okay, but... The- the yes. the just on the musical fronts, uh, the scene you talked about really enjoying uh, Alexi's mm-hmm. um, yes his uh, what's the word I'm looking for you, his chase. bonds oh yeah well his bonds with with Egerton's character yeah their chemistry uh, was great right you liked their chemistry but you didn't like the music but one of their biggest scenes when it comes to chemistry is when they go to the club and sure. what's playing the final countdown, final countdown. so. Mm-hmm. The music well, that's, clearly that's, ties I, in. Yeah. Well, that's uh, what it, what's the word for that? Diegetic? Is that the word for music that's actually happening in the environment? Um, I've already eaten, so I'm not hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I could have that word completely wrong, by the way. That's what my brain said. My brain was, I think that's called diegetic music. Yeah, Anyways, diuretics. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you can look that up later and find out where I was wrong. But, uh, but <laughs> the movie that is actually taking – or music that is actually taking place in the reality of the movie – um, that's fine. Like, I, and I actually, I actually did enjoy that moment. I, them loving the final countdown, them doing that, you know, kind of stuff was great. It's just that, that so many of the plot points and moments and action and decisions aren't just not based in reality. They are so over the top that I'm tr- I'm having to suspend my disbelief in a movie that's based on a true story. Like that's that should not happen. Like and you I were have the one like an like hour fighting. ago praising a once upon a, once upon a time in Hollywood. Yes. that is you know taking you know historical fact and definitely changing major plot points. 
you love that movie. So how is this any different? Because that movie isn't based on a true story. That movie uses a true story as part of its like environment, and it's That's in a completely semantics. different world. That is not semantics. The, oh, come on. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Tetris are completely different kinds of movies that include stuff from the real world. They are, those but you, are, you only say that because Tarantino is included on Once Upon a Time. No, that is not true. <laughs> that is doesn't like Tarantino. <laughs> Babylon. Babylon is not a based on a true story movie, but it is about singing in the rain. Like, that's a real thing in that universe. And there are real people who, you know, like, those are two completely different things. Uh, this is a movie that is a based on a true story movie, which you watch and go, oh, wow, I never knew that. Now let me go check Wikipedia and see what the the real story is. You don't do that in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You know what the real story is and how different it is. Like it's Social it's, network it's is so point. different than how it really happened. Social network never made me go, um, I don't think that's even possible. Like social network lives in a world that I can believe is real even if they change some of the things to make it a little more interesting and a little more dramatic. This movie pushes the limits of reality so hard, I get distracted. But I think um, the tone like, of the movie, you, we talk about hating the 8-bit you know, elements of you know, digitizing mm -hmm. the world, mm -hmm. but I think that sets a tone that you can expect some levity in the reality of what's going on. It's. I mean, I guess, but did you think this movie was supposed to be an SNL sketch? Like, it doesn't, I didn't think it, doesn't it ever got that crazy. Well, it, but that's what it feels like at times, right? Like, it's, no. Well, you just said the tone was supposed to be over the top, weird and no, silly I'm or saying, something. I'm saying that, like, if you are watching a movie and you're seeing like how the movie is styled, I think that that can kind of set the tone for it. And that whenever you look at like how, you know, like I don't want to. If you were to tell me that Scott Pilgrim, for example, is based on mm -hmm. a true story just because of how it's styled, you know, yeah. I go, okay, yeah, maybe there was a guy named Scott Pilgrim and he, uh -huh. you know, w had arguments with his exes. But then you watch the movie and you see how it's all like stylized and, you know, comic. Uh -huh. uh -huh. Then I would go, nope, I don't like it because it's based on a true story and it's it's styled in a way that I don't like. Are you telling me Scott Pilgrim is based on a true story? No, I was making like a... a a, what do they call it? A bombastic... I'm, uh, I'm totally with you. This is like Scott Pilgrim. This feels like Scott Pilgrim to me. And it's like, it shouldn't. It should feel like... like it's, no. It is pretty ridiculous, the things that happen in this movie that did not... And it, here's the thing. Give me, it can you give me an example of something ridiculous here's, that was... That's not like spoilerish? That's... It's difficult not to be spoilerish. Um, but... Ev Spoilers, like, Americans want to buy Tetris here's, from Here's Russians. what I will say. Here's what I will say. Here's the closest movie comparison that I okay. can give you. Okay? And it's a movie I love. So this this probably helps your point. Okay? Yeah. okay. But, but I will tell you how I feel about this. I'm trying to understand really hard. <laughs> okay. 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 I'm about to give it to you. Argo. Okay? okay? Final scene of Argo is ridiculous. And it did not happen that way at all. And it's That's silly. This yeah. movie is nonstop final scene of Argo. Like everything in this movie is so over the top that like, I, like I just, I can't handle it. Like it's, it's my brain wants to, like I said, I have to suspend my disbelief and it's supposed to be based on a true story. It's just this weird cognitive dissonance. Kind of okay. Well, what about, what about Alamo, right? Billy Bob Thornton. Do you think when you're watching that movie, which I think was pretty generally well received by critics, are you watching that with the same critical angle going, Oh, this is exactly how that happened. This is exactly how the Battle of Alamo took place. Oh, he definitely had a chance at the end to surrender, and he screamed, and that yeah. famous last scene with Billy Bob Thornton. 
Yeah, are we I'm, watching it with that same level of scrutiny on a historical event? So uh, I I honestly don't know that I've seen that movie. When when like that is when I'd have to look in and try to remember was seven. So it was in the nineties. I may yeah. have missed that movie and not gotten around to it. Um, if it was in the nineties. Uh, so, uh, I don't know about that one, but let's say, uh, one I have seen like tombstone. It was 2004. Right? Is, that, is that a fair, is that a fair comparison to kind of what you're talking about? Like with a historical think, thing that's, yeah. you know, yeah. a little tombstone you know. is a great example. Great example. Yes. Yes. I think the difference again for me is you're dealing with a, uh, historical event that is far enough back that we're trying to bring it into kind of a more modern parlance, those kind of things. So that stuff doesn't distract me as much. I'm, I'm able to suspend my disbelief uh, if, you know, uh, and I don't ever feel like I have to with those movies because I can, again, go to Wikipedia afterwards and go, hey, what's the difference between the, you know, the true story and, you know, what happens in Tombstone or whatever. What I'm saying the difference with this movie is, and the end of Argo, by the way, both things, the difference is they take it to a place where I am positive it didn't happen that way without checking Wikipedia. I am 100% positive there is no way that's what happened while I'm watching the movie without without checking. And that's think, the kind of movie this is. And I think the difference between you and Courtney and I is that's okay. I think but, it's okay that you, it's... Thank you, Andrew. Yes, it's, that would be the difference. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if there was anything more than that. That's why I've been like, is there anything else? Like, I was trying to see, like, did you see something that I didn't see? I'm not trying to say that you're wrong. I'm trying to understand. That's what the whole no, thing was. No, I'm just trying to give you insight as yeah. to why why I become distracted and why I am unable to completely give myself to a movie like this uh, because, I, because I feel the machinations of trying to make this something it's not. And what's what's even sadder is if you do read the true story of this, there's a really good movie that sticks closer to what happens in the true story of the the Tetris thing than pretending like they had all three of them there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go, I, I almost went into d- deep spoilers. Almost went into deep spoilers. I'm so angry. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, this movie's been out a little bit, so hopefully I didn't, I didn't spoil too much for you, uh, with that little comment. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, I'm kind of ho- typing Hopefully something. there, hopefully the one thing that we absolutely can agree on, though, with the film of Tetris, is that, I, I cannot remember the character's name, the, the large businessman who embezzled all the money and yada, yada, yada. Yes, yeah. I think we could all agree, that was the most stereotypically... British individual to hit theaters or be in a long time. Like it was almost offensive how British he it was. was. It was, and I thought Toby. <laughs> I Jones... will not have you besmirch the name of Roger Al- Robert Allen. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you said that so that Roger I didn't Allen. have to. That was my other big thing I was going to mention besides the suspension of disbelief, not being able to do that, is that I think again, other than Hank and Alexi, other than those two. Everybody else feels like a caricature to me. Everybody else just feels like this, This, you know, um, what, what was the, uh, is the Guess Who game that has all the, the different people? Like, they just felt like a Guess Who character yeah. just designed to be a specific kind of uh, human being. Uh, and I didn't buy any of them. I didn't even buy Toby Jones, and I usually like Toby Jones. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was kind of one of my my other things uh, uh, as well. I'll grant you caricatures, especially on uh, the side of the antagonist. I definitely mm-hmm. felt like he felt more like a caricature. Um, but 
I, I won't grant you that on Egerton's family. Um, the, the final scene with him and his wife and his daughter in the apartment with the stage set up. That's beautiful. That felt legitimate to me. That was heartfelt and captured at the most what I loved about Egerton's. Egerton, Egerton. I'm going to butcher that, I'm sure. That's what I, that's what I appreciated and felt the most captured the highlight of his performance. It's his heart. Uh, through everything that shines in this movie and carries it, whether you think it's completely out there and you didn't buy it, or whether you thought the history didn't really matter and the story was good enough to, to gloss over that, his heart, to me, shined through, whether it's him wanting to do right by his family, mm-hmm. uh, his flawed inability to just let something go once he latches on to it. Uh, that, that, to me, is not a caricature. Yeah, no, I, I didn't. Think I'll so. grant you that. I, I will grant you that. While at the same time uh, saying that the uh, the British businessman and his son might as well have been the uh, TV executive and his son from UHF, uh, they were that over the top. <laughs> Dad, I love it. I loved every second of it. Uh, but honestly, yeah, I think the one thing every single one of us can agree on is Hank and Alexi are just so pure. From the moment they meet, Hank can mm-hmm. see something in Alexi that yeah. he sees in himself that he was afraid that didn't exist in anybody else. And they're both storytellers. They love their craft, their family. It's like it, it's like watching two estranged siblings being reunited. That's what this movie feels like to me. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. Some thoughts on Tetris uh, for you. Um Interestingly enough, I feel like it it uh, came off as me hating this movie, which I don't hate this movie. Pete, hang on, fine. I'm blocking you on Twitter real quick. <laughs> Just give me one more moment. Yeah, while she's and doing that, I'm block. I'm t- typing up a list: the Good Dinosaur, the Last <laughs> Jedi, Tetris. <laughs> Every movie Aaron and I, I think- have vehemently had you know we need to move on i can't say this because it'll probably make you guys mad so we'll we'll just we'll just move on we'll just move on (laughs) and i will keep to myself uh that air is the actual good version of this okay let's uh let's head on to the next thing air is really good i'm sorry i missed last week everybody was really sick that was so kind of you aaron's really good that's uh that was uh that was really nice aaron is really good aaron (laughs) out of all the aaron dicers i know Mm -hmm. number one Right that, there. I appreciate that. I really yeah. appreciate that. You are the uh, number one Aaron I know, actually. Okay, so let's, uh, before we move on, actually, to Best Ever Challenge, uh, just a quick thank you to our Sif Pop members. Thank you for being amazing, for supporting what goes on here, keeping the podcast going, keeping the website going, SifPop.com. I appreciate that so much. Uh, Andrew's doing moops every uh, week that we get a chance to do that for you. So uh, this week we did a little bit of Do We Care uh, and even uh, had a question that we answered uh, from one of you. So thank you for that. If you're interested in uh, becoming a Sift Pop member, you can go to patreon.com slash Sift Pop. That's patreon.com slash Sift Pop. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's move in to the next thing, which is the best ever challenge. We'll do best ever vampire movies. We'll yeah. go number five to number one. Uh, and if somebody has it higher on their list, Trump! then uh, it will get trumped. Uh, so, Andrew, why don't you start? What's your number five? It's interesting because I can see every single one of mine getting trumped every single time. <laughs> uh, number five, The Lost Boys. Anybody? Nope. Hey! I love The Lost Boys. I think it's such a fun movie. Kiefer. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> no, I think there's a... I, I, okay, I say I think. I know there's a huge bag of nostalgia with yes, this movie. of course, of course. And, you know, it's it's such a wild and just... You want to talk... Okay. When you say wild and crazy movie, I'm, I'm bringing this back to Tetris. I'm sorry. Do you think that Tetris is more again the Lost Boys than anything? <laughs> no, I'm joking. But no, uh, Jason Patrick, uh, of course you have, you know, uh, Kiefer Sutherland and Corey Feldman. It's just so much about this movie is like screaming my childhood. And I forget his name. Uh, Kent Bentamello, the, the singer with the saxophone. Um, I'm butchering his name, but uh, I just have a lot of nostalgia, and I love this movie. Nice. Uh, Courtney, what's your number five? This might be Trumped, but Blade. Yeah. Trump! All right. We'll talk about that later. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if nobody has any of my top five on their list. Uh, So this could be interesting. Okay. Um, There are two, I think, that I can see being on somebody's list. But uh, my number five is Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Aaron, if you wouldn't mind. You said Frankenstein, right? I did say Frankenstein. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. 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 All right. We'll talk about that later then. That's That's a wonderful surprise. That is a wonderful surprise. You know me. I grew up on Abbott Costello. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Let's go to our number fours then. Uh, Andrew, what do you got at number four? Well, since I'm the only one that's actually talked so far, I feel kind of bad. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Blade. This is where I have Blade. Uh, nice. Yeah. I mean, Wesley Snipes, he is like, there's very few people that I think were just perfectly cast for their characters. I think Ryan Reynolds for Deadpool. And I think Wesley Snipes is Blade is just perfect. He's so good. And Chris Christopherson as Whistler. It's just such a fun cast. 
it's such a great comic book movie. This was the original OG MCU, ladies and gentlemen. This X-Men and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. This was OG Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, I in my honorable mentions, I actually have please forgive me, Blade 3. Uh I With I Ryan know Reynolds. people hate that movie, but Ryan Reynolds is so fun in that movie. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I totally get going with Blade instead. Courtney, you had Blade at number five. You want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah. So I, I do love just a little bit of snobbery, but maybe not snobbery. It's not the right word. Schadenfreude, mm-hmm. uh, where Blade is concerned because I remember when Deadpool, Deadpool came out and everyone thought, oh my goodness, the first rated R Marvel movie. And you got to be able to go, well, actually, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's just so much fun. Uh, it's a blast. I think Blade does well everything that Underworld could not quite do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's such a say. good movie. Uh, all right, um, uh, four. Uh, yeah, Courtney, what's uh, your number four? This one also, I feel, might be Trones, but Thirty Days of Night. No. Nope, that was one in my honorable mention. Nope. It's a cool concept for a movie. Go yeah, ahead. Talk about it. Just the idea. I feel like if you're in the lower 48, uh, you may not know certain things about Alaska. Yeah. The, the literally the last frontier um, where you have so far, you have land that is so far north where there is time that the sun just doesn't shine. And if you're going to have a period of time with no sun, what better monster to throw into that horror situation than vampires? Mm-hmm. Do vampires yeah. care if it's cold out? Probably not. Uh, <laughs> are vampires eager to take victims from a remote location where they're not likely to be missed for a while? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Everything about this movie fits together pretty well. And again, we talk about earlier um, graphic novels that are adapted to film that are not superhero based in origin. Yeah. And 30 Days of Night is a good example of that. There you go. And everybody's got to love Josh Hartnett. Yeah, it's required. It's required by law, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, There's yeah. a statute. Yeah, statute, I, yeah. If, you... <laughs> if anybody has my number four on their list, I would be so very, very surprised. Okay. Uh, my number four is Nether Beast Incorporated. Um, Nether Beast Incorporated. Uh, I have a soft spot in my heart for for uh, one main reason, which is a good friend of the show is in it, uh, Josh Childs, uh, who's oh. been on the show many many times. Uh, he and his brother Jeremy are in the movie, and uh, it is a vampire story set in an office, uh, and kind of shot in a little bit of that mockumentary, uh, style. So it fits really well with kind of the Renfield thing because there's a sense of humor to it, those kind of things. And it's a lot of fun. I would highly encourage you, uh, to check it out. Um, the original, uh, was it it Steve from blues clues? Yeah. Steve Uh, Burns. Yeah. He's, he's in it as well. So, so it's Daryl Hammond and David Foley. Yeah, cool. yeah. So there's some some uh, some fun names in there, but that's my number four. Uh, Andrew, what is your number three? This is where I have Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Nice, talk on it. It might be their funniest movie. It might be their funniest movie. It might be. It's really funny. Yeah, I mean, 
Like I said, I've said this a thousand times, so sorry for reiterating it every time, but my grandma raised me on Abbott and Costello, Bowery Boys, Three Stooges, Marx Brothers, uh, Laurel and Hardy, all those black and white slapstick comedy groups. That's what I was raised on. And Abbott and Costello was always my all-time favorite. Always my all-time favorite. Um, they're just... The chemistry between them, it's it's unlike anything. I think the closest we've seen like a comic duo get close is probably John Mulaney and... Uh, oh, man. I'm having a brain fart now. Nick From Kroll? Oh, Hello, Nick Kroll. I think that the two of them are the closest we've ever come since to having a Abbott and Costello. Hmm, interesting. Um, I had it at number five. I think my favorite thing about this is it's kind of maybe the first cinematic universe movie. Like the the actual (laughs) Dracula, Frankenstein, and Wolfman actors are in this movie as those characters. Like Bella Lugosi is in this movie as Dracula. Um, Yeah. So like it's uh that's really interesting to me and I think to audiences must have just been so fun and uh, add that to how funny these two are together all the time yeah um, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein uh, is a good one to include my my one contribution to this discussion will be as always to quote Futurama also Wolfman <laughs> also, also Wolfman Wolfman uh, all right number threes um, Andrew what's your number three. I just did it. Evan Costello. Then, Courtney, what's your number three? I really would be surprised if this one was on anyone's list, but uh, Kolchak the Night Stalker. Ooh, talk about it. So Kolchak, um, for those of you who aren't familiar, he, back in the 70s, was a hard-boiled newspaper reporter. And this is from the time of newspapers where newsrooms were filled with cigarette smoke and editors that had flasks of whiskey in the back of their desks. Uh, And he comes across uh, what appears to be a vampire while working in Las Vegas after having been kicked out of every other Metro newspaper for being too stubborn. And I just love the fact that you have an actual journalist in a a newspaper setting who's investigating the paranormal. Uh, And again, it's in the 70s. So the fact that he has to be taken seriously and has to fight to get people to understand this is an actual monster. This is really happening. These girls are, are dying and their blood is being drained. And I know it sounds crazy, but it's happening. Um, I, I love everything about the film. It's, it's strange when you watch it to think that this is something that came out of the 70s. And, you know, I don't think they've tried to, to do anything new with it since, <clears throat> which surprises me. But I, I, I like everything that encapsulates it. Nice. Um, my number three is 2011's Fright Night. Um, I think this movie is amazing. Does somebody want to trump me? Does somebody want to trump me? Nope. You're no, good. it's in my uh, honorable mention. Yeah. Okay, okay. Colin Farrell. Uh, Colin Farrell, David Tennant. Uh, he, I was not expecting to like this movie as much as I did. And it's it's just, I don't know. I had a lot of fun with it and, and uh, thought it was really well done. Uh, so yeah, Friday Night 2011. Yeah, it's one of those three. movies where when it was coming out, like, ah, it's not going to be as good as the original. I think it was better than the original. I, I think so too. Uh, yeah. Andrew, what is your number two? It's going to get trumped, but uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Nope. <gasps> I will say I have, it at number, I have it at number two as well. So okay. uh, not technically a Trump, uh, but okay. we can both talk about it. Very good. Um, 
beyond hilarious. It spawned one of the funniest TV shows ever. Um, I do think the show, just because it's had, you know, a longer life than the movie because of the amount of content, I think I like the show better. But man, this movie is such a clever, fun, unique. Like, I've always loved, like, Flight of the Concords, you know? And whenever you have, like, a Britain Germain, I don't think a Brit's in this one, but a. It's just such a, a fun, lovable, eclectic cast of like every stereotypical vampire. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a really funny movie. Um, another one I couldn't help but think about while watching Renfield for sure. Yeah. Um, all so right. So that's number uh, my number two. But what's yours, Courtney? Uh, was surprised I didn't see this on the list unless it's at y'all's number one. But let the right one in. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, uh, Aaron. If you wouldn't mind hitting the button. Oh, sorry. I didn't know what you meant. I didn't know what you meant by that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, I thought maybe you were sad that you left it off. Um, nope. Yeah, I don't think I've seen this movie, so uh, that might might be why it's uh, not on my list because I don't remember seeing it. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, we'll talk about it here in a second. Uh, so we already mentioned my number two is what we do in the shadow. So I guess we're talking about it now. Andrew, what's your number one? <laughs> <laughs> Let the right one in. Talk about it. Yeah, a Swedish film came out in, what was it, 2001? That's right, 2008. Wow, it's actually a lot newer than I want. Uh, It's about a a boy named Oscar who lives in like a project building in northern Sweden. And uh, he's being bullied at school. He doesn't have any friends, stuff like that. All of a sudden, this new young girl moves into the apartment down the hall and... uh, She's unlike anything he's ever met before. She's confident. She's unique. She she does things that are weird. Surprise, she's a vampire. Um, and he befriends her. And through her, he learns to experience the world in a different way. It's a truly beautiful movie, even though the setting is so cold and bleak. But at the end of the movie, you just feel warm. And you feel like genuine love that they have for each other. I think it's... One of the most underrated and underseen movies ever. Courtney, you want to talk about it? You know, vampires, you know, if you have a full spectrum of vampire movies since they've been around so long, right? You have yeah. everything from the super silly on this side with what we do in the shadows and now Renfield and this, that, and the other. And then you crank it all the way other to the right side and you've got the super serious, dark, blood drinking monsters. Yeah. I uh, And what I really appreciate about Let the Right One In is it covers these monsters, but from a light we don't typically get to see, which is through the lens of children. Uh, my number one opens with a really cool shot of a, a child vampire, and I'll, we'll get to that in a few, but just the idea, children in horror movies are already scary. Um, that might just be me as no, you know, it's the, the childless millennial woman in her 30s who like, children are scary. But like, no, seriously, when they're when they're in horror movies, children are legitimately frightening. And to be able to be frightening while talking about a creature of, um, you know, an ageless mind while trapped in a child's body, still able to find friends and translate some of that warmth that Andrew was talking about. It's just a, really a lot to like here. Yeah. 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 Uh, very nice. Well, what is your number one, Courtney? I... I'm not shocked that this didn't appear on anyone else's lists, but uh, Daybreakers. Hmm. I, that's my first honorable mention. Wait, no, it's 
third honorable mention, but I love that movie. Right. So combining vampires with a science fiction element, um, I honestly feel like there's a decent injection of Blade Runner into this movie. And I'm a sucker for anything in Blade Runner. So you have these empty cities during the day because uh, instead of a movie where one or two vampires exist, everyone is a vampire and only a few humans exist. And what happens when the last human drop of blood is gone because they've all been hunted or farmed and they haven't been allowed to to repopulate in this world. I mean, it's, it's such a fascinating scenario to me that I was just hooked right from the beginning. I knew I had to see it in theaters. Um, I know it came out with a spattering of other vampire movies, the 2011 Fright Night among them. Twilight was obviously really big during yeah. that time. True Blood. And so for this, True Blood. So for, for this vampire movie to come out with such an original premise, be carried and grounded by the wonderful performance of Ethan Hawke, while also carrying... Um, who played Elvis? Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Yeah. While also carrying a character like Willem Dafoe, who just injects so much warmth into the movie <laughs> with his does. his character. Yeah. It's my number one vampire pick of all time. Nice. I would say that of every single like vampire movie, it has the most unique and fascinating world building out of any of those movies that we've talked about. It's such a clever and unique way to, to look at how vampires live and what the consequences if they really were to take over. It's really good. And the visual effects were surprisingly good too. Like if uh, vampires like start to starve, they turn into these creatures and it's, it's a whole bunch of unique lore that they've added to this movie. I'm with Courtney. I love this movie. It's so much fun. Nice. Well, that leaves my number one. What you got? Uh, and it is uh, pitch right down the middle. Uh, it is 1931's Dracula. Um, I it's so iconic. Uh, Bella Lugosi is Dracula to me. Um, yeah. And I mean, even some of the Renfield st- like flashback stuff was shot to look like the 1931 Dracula, which I thought was was fun and interesting. And Cage is definitely based off of him. Yes, yeah, for sure. You can see a lot of that Lugosi performance there. Um, I don't, it's hard with movies that are coming up on their hundredth anniversary. <laughs> like it's, it's difficult sometimes to compare them to more modern movies. Um, but this is one of those cases where I think putting it at number one made a lot of sense for me. Um, just because I, I do think it's kind of the standard and, uh, one that, uh, that I wanted to talk about. So that is my number one. Uh, as far as other honorable mentions, uh, Buffy is probably worth mentioning. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, Dracula Dead and Loving It. Uh, if, if, you got to love Liz and Nielsen, man. Uh, Mel Brooks's final, uh, up until this point, uh, movie he directed. Uh, so, yeah, Dracula Dead and Loving It. Uh, and I think it's worth the mention because the first one's better than the sequels would make you uh, believe. But Hotel Transylvania, uh, the first one's not that bad. Um, nice. So I thought I'd mention that as well. Um, I, I was so tempted to put I Am Legend in here. Mm. Yes. If, only, if mm-hmm. only because... The book. They, right. They butchered the creatures. Sure. Um, you know, I loved the Richard Matheson novel. Uh, no. The idea of the human being the monster in the society of newly evolved vampires is so cool. 
and I wanted to put the movie in there because I like it for its own merits, mostly Will Smith, but you know, I didn't know if it would count since again, they're not technically vampires in, yeah. in yeah. the movie. It's a good mention at least. It's a good mention. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Andrew, did a, you have any others you wanted to throw out? Yeah, I got a couple uh, Underworld. It's just fun. I mean, we talk about world building and if you want to look at how world building is done with like hyper detail, like there's a huge lore around these underworld movies. Um, another one would probably be, I mean, I'm surprised it wasn't on anybody's list, but again, there's plenty of vampire movies, but Nosferatu was mm-hmm. one that I could see being a lot of people's number one because yeah, it's, Actually, Willem Dafoe was in a movie where he, like, did... It's kind of a meta-making of the Nosferatu movie. It's him and Mm -hmm. uh, John Malkovich. I think he was actually nominated for an Oscar for that movie. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Courtney, did you have any others you wanted to mention? Um, Yeah, I'm struggling to pull any out. Not movies, just uh, series. Netflix had a really good vampire anime recently called um, Vampire in the Garden, I think. It, it was nice. Great. All right. We will move on to the buried treasure. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture you want to make sure people know about? Courtney, you're our guest, so you will go last. Uh, I'll kick us off. Um, I'm apparently a gamer now, guys. Uh, what? Uh, video games are back in my life. Uh, Not what, mobile. What happened? Uh, what happened is this. I'm a big fan of golf games. Um, I you think lost me. I, I understand. I understand this is not why people uh, usually buy a PS5. Uh, but there is an EA uh, golf game that uh, I want to play with some friends. And so I ended up getting a PS5 to play this. And the game's great, but it's not the game that I'm I'm talking about. Because what I found out, in order to play online with friends, you have to be a part of PlayStation Plus, right? Oh, so, you don't want to play that membership. <laughs> so, so PlayStation Plus uh, membership being paid for, I looked at the other perks, and apparently one of them, and by the way, if you have a PS5, this might be good information for you, uh, is that there are a bunch of free games that you can add to your library and download, but they just announced they will be gone by May 9th. So you have until May 9th to add them to your library, um, and play them. It is a uh, The Last of Us is one of those games, including the DLC. Uh, um, I'm trying to remember some of the other. I mean, there's a lot of the big name games, um, but one of them is a game I am fully in love with and made me realize there are video games out there that uh, are catered more towards the kind of style and thing I would enjoy. And I get that many of you have probably already played this, but I am so into Detroit Become Human right now. Um, It is exactly the kind of video game that hooks me and pulls me in because it's atmospheric, it's story-based, it's character-based, and there's not a lot of aiming and shooting. Uh, And that is the most annoying thing to me is aiming aiming and shooting uh, in video games, So, which eliminates like 90% of modern games, uh, unfortunately. Um, it's also choose your own adventure, which yeah. I really, really enjoy. Um, there's another one that's in that list that I've started playing that I probably will go to after Detroit become human, which is until dawn. I think it's, is the name of the game It is one of my all time favorite PlayStation games is until I, dawn. I really enjoyed like the 20, 30 minutes I, pl- I played, um, uh, because I downloaded every single one of these games, by the way, yeah. and, and and played them for at least the intro. Uh, so, uh, just to kind of, cause I have no like, idea what games are out there that I would enjoy. Um, 
So if you're you're looking for more story based games, which I also love, uh, I would definitely recommend you check out Life is Strange. Yes, be prepared yeah. for emotional you will crippling cry breakdowns. So much. <laughs> cry favorite game of all time, but also uh, Wolf Among Us, another great story based game. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good well, to know. Well, also these, a comic book uh, game based oh, nice. on comic book. Um, so yeah, so Detroit Become Human is also absolutely gorgeous. Um, it's just it's in and I just I look at these games and I'm like, these were on the PS4, right? Like these were these games are yeah. have been around for ten years, right? Like this this is not like Detroit Become Human came out yesterday. Um, no. And it just it just makes me realize. Uh, how 4K gaming in at 60 frames per second is such a different experience than playing Mario Kart on my Switch. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so yeah. So I'm enjoying it. Um, but wanted to give not only the shout out to Detroit becomes human. I become human. There's also the aspect that it takes place in Michigan, where I was born and you know lived yeah. a lot of my life. Um, it doesn't so, look like that right now. <laughs> no, it doesn't no, look like Detroit right no, now. Not like that. Uh, but also wanted to let you know that those games are there available for you. That, by the way, I'm not talking about like the three monthly games that also come with it that you can put in your library and download. This is a separate thing from that that is in uh, until May 9th, uh, your um, perks as a uh, PlayStation Plus uh, member. And can I just say congrats on your new Sony sponsorship for Sip Pop. That is, that's <laughs> yeah. big news, Aaron. This is not SpawnCon. I promise. It's not SpawnCon. <laughs> uh, Andrew, what is your uh, buried treasure? Speaking of Spawn, I got a new comic book I want to recommend to everybody. <laughs> nice. it's, who are my two all-time favorite comic book characters, Aaron? Um, They are Batman. Yes. And, and uh, the Swamp Thing. No, Spawn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Batman and Spawn. So uh, last year, Batman and Spawn teamed up. Now you may be wondering, isn't Spawn Image Comics and uh, Batman DC? You are correct. But Todd McFarlane was an artist for both companies. So he has this Batman Spawn uh, team-up comic series that he published the first issue of last year. And it was so fun because... I think for a lot of people, they don't realize how similar the backstories of Spawn and I mean, of Al Simmons and Bruce Wayne are. That at the beginning of this comment, you or uh, this comic, you you have a dialogue talking about like how their childhood shaped them and stuff, and you don't know who's talking. You don't know if it's Al Simmons or Bruce Wayne talking. It's so fascinating to see this mystical world of, you know, heaven and hell being thrust upon Batman. It's such a cool concept. I'm having a blast with it. What's it called again? Batman slash Spawn. Now, there was one that came out what a, a weird long title time ago. That. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I wonder what it's about. But yeah, yeah. that's mine. Uh, now, Kurt- uh, another great thing Batman and Spawn have in common, they both have some of the greatest comic book-based movies ever. Yes, everybody can agree that Spawn movie from 1997 <laughs> is one of the all-time classic comic book movies. It's right great. up there with the Dark Knight. <laughs> yes. Uh, Courtney, what is your buried treasure this week? So, sadly, I have not seen a new trailer from FX for this. I've been waiting for months, actually, since it was announced. Um, and I don't feel like enough people are talking about this, but we're getting a reboot or a continuation of Justified, which is my what? favorite TV show of all time. Are you serious? This is news to Andrew, apparently. Yeah, it they, is. this I has been in the works for a couple really years. Do. That's 
favorite TV show. I mean, right up there with Good Place, Friends, Reservation Dogs. Um, I love Timothy Oliphant. Uh, Boyd Crowder goes down as one of my all-time greatest villains. And the fact that we're getting a continuation of the story, the fact that it's based on another Elmore Leonard novel, I, I can't wait for the trailer. Can't wait for FX to put out the, the new miniseries come this summer. Justified City Primeval? Is that the one you're talking about? That's it. it uh, is, it's a miniseries that's coming out. Correct. A limited series uh, to continue the story. Courtney, so. you just made my day. Thank you so much. <laughs> See, this is why Aaron invited me on, to make yes. your day. But also, Andrew, the Swamp Thing has been canceled. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate you. I hate you so much. You know but what? Just, but was Justified this, is is coming back, so you're all was good. was this another victim of James Gunn's DC remake? <laughs> no, over. There, I don't even know how long ago Swamp Thing came out. 2018, 2019, that season that sh- that showed up. I came on and it was my buried treasure, and I was singing the praises like you guys can't believe how good of a show DC just released. Everybody's talk at the time. Marvel was at its, you know peak and they're like you guys don't realize there's a show out and it's called swamp thing and it's amazing and then as i was t- telling everybody this story uh aaron just goes aaron andrew they just they just canceled the show and i was and i was like ah, funny and he's like no no they they really just canceled the show and i don't know if you've ever seen a human being's heart exp- you know like you know break imp- apart into a hundred pieces live yeah. on camera but uh but you can if you go yeah. back and watch that episode yeah. All right. There you go. Uh, that is uh, Justified City Prime Evil that will be coming out soon. Batman Spawn uh, at your local comic store or wherever you download your comics. And Detroit Become Human is on uh, probably multiple platforms, but I'm playing it on the PS5. Well, we did it, guys. We managed to do a podcast. Woo! Congratulations to yeah. all involved. Thank you so much for joining us today for Sip Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out with us again today. Well, thank you, buddy. <laughs> Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. And thank you to Courtney Lanning for hanging out with us. Uh, Courtney, you are available at Courtney Movies on social media. Um, where else do you want to send people for your stuff? You know what? I think Twitter is about all that can handle with me. So yeah, find me on Twitter <laughs> at Courtney Movies. There you go. Well, we appreciate you being on uh, again this week. We also appreciate our Sif Pop members. Thank you so much for your support at patreon.com slash Sif Pop. If you're interested in checking it out, you can go to uh, Patreon and uh, search for Sif Pop. It starts at $3 a month, and there are a bunch of fun perks that you can check out there. Lots of ways to connect with us. You can leave a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can also email us, feedback at sifpop.com. Or if you have an email for the members-only pre-show, that goes to Andrew at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like this show too, so make sure you let them know about it and let them know that listening is much easier than correctly placing a skew tetronimo on a flat board. We will be back next week uh, with Bo is Afraid and more, so we will see you then. Bye. Bye. Later.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.